Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro and Strength and Speed owner, Evan Preparis. I've got a guest with me on the line. Before we get to him, though, a quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Dry Robe. If you're not familiar with Dry Robe, they're the warm changing robes that you typically see people wearing after World's Toughest Mudder or Toughest Mudder or pretty much any time there's a cold weather race or it's raining out. And I know it's still hot, still kind of the end of summer now, but you know they take a couple of weeks for them to, especially if you want custom embroidery on it. So if you're looking at getting dry robes for people for Christmas or you know just as a present later in the year, I would start leaning towards looking into them now, uh, especially, like I said, especially if you want that custom embroidery on the back and the names and stuff on the sleeve or the on the front. So uh, once the weather drops a little bit colder and assuming there's some races going on, you'll see me wearing my Conquer the Gauntlet 1 at races. And they also have seat covers. And uh, so if you want to throw a seat cover on so you don't have to clean off the inside of your car after a race, another good option. All right, let's get to today's guest. Today joining me on the podcast, I have John Javellis. He's a third degree black belt in Goju Ryu Karate and second degree in weapons specializing in flailing weapons. He's trained and competed in Okinawa, Japan, and he's my cousin. So, John, welcome. Thank you, Evan. Good to be here. And John's also familiar with OCR because he was my pit crew last year. So, for Toughest Woo-hoo. Midwest and Toughest East and for World's Toughest Mudder. That's and, and I'm still willing to do it also. <laughs> Which is a good sign. That's a good sign. <laughs> yeah. So, any, uh, any further details you want to share with us about some of your background in karate uh no i mean that, that's that's pretty much where where most of my career was i mean i started in my my late teens uh i did it um i was active in it for a little over 20 years until you know certain life changes occur you know i was not in, injured just uh, you know other other uh, factors uh, came in i mean it, just like any other uh sport uh, you want to ded- be able to dedicate your full attention and full focus uh, to it. And, you know, starting as a young man, I was certainly able to do that. I probably should have done this at the beginning, but for those of you who are just joining us, and this is your first time listening to the Strength and Speed podcast, we're an obstacle course racing focused podcast. But what I like to do is bring on athletes from other sports and talk to them and steal some of their lessons learned. Because just because obstacle course racing is a relatively new sport, you know, fitness improvement and learning, to ma- learning a mastery of skills is old and we can essentially just take those lessons and refocus them towards OCR. So we're going to be talking a lot about John's background and some of the lessons he learned from karate and then eventually do a crossover at the end where actually apply it to OCR. So let's start off like at the top. Um, so I'm not sure how much our listeners are familiar with martial arts. So like, can you go through, you know, the basics, like what are the different forms of martial arts, right? Cause there's like karate, Kung Fu, Taekwondo, Jiu Jitsu, you know, yeah, et cetera. Uh, martial, martial art is, is pretty much a, an all-encompassing term for any sort of trained fighting. And it's not just Asian styles. There are other styles. Uh, there's styles from like uh, from France. You have Savat. You had Krav Maga from uh, Israel. There are Russian martial arts. There are ancient uh, Greek fighting martial arts. Was it uh, Pantocration or something like that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then <laughs> let's open up a Greek fighting school. <laughs> let's hear it for the home team. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
you know, more, uh, so then when you break it down, then you, then you get into the individual or, or let's say a regional style. So you have karate, which is uh, Japanese in, in origin. Karate is two Japanese words uh, roughly translated into empty hand. Kung Fu is a Chinese style. Taekwondo is, is uh, uh, Korean. And they're all different. You really can't say that a that taekwondo is karate you cannot say that karate is kung fu they're all very different and within the style they have then sub styles so for example i'm i studied okinawan gojuru which is different from japanese gojuru which is different from shotokan kempo these are all different styles within uh, the group of karate, and those are usually based on the region, based on uh, the history of it. Some styles are newer than others. Some styles are branches of, of other styles. Okinawan Gojuru has uh, much more Chinese influences in it than Japanese Goju. Um, Okinawa itself is this little island, you know, under Japan, over from China. It's a lot of invaders from both sides coming into this little island nation that a lot of their culture is a mix of both uh, Japanese and Chinese and including uh, what goes into their uh, their fighting styles. Interesting. So why did you select that specific school? Was that just the closest uh, school to you or did you specifically it, seek out that style? Oh, no, nothing, nothing like that. Uh, I needed, <laughs> I needed school credit in some sort of uh, phys ed, and uh, let's see. Uh, I wasn't running around in whites playing tennis. No one was going to see me in a bathing suit. <laughs> it, it, you know, racquetball was a yuppie sport. You know, I just going through the whole thing. It's like, oh, okay, martial arts. I can, I can see, certainly do that for half a year. And I took it, and um, my my uh, sensei, my uh, instructor, uh, had been doing had been. Uh, uh, an instructor for for a lot of years and was very well versed, patient man. Because uh, you know, uh, especially when you're teaching at a school, you're getting people who are maybe you know maybe like in my case, just you know you're going to take it for one semester and that's it. But afterwards, I I stuck with it. I went from from the school, then I went to the dojo and and trained there, worked my way up. Uh, I even ended up uh, representing the school and going to Okinawa in uh, 19, 1990. I was there uh, in August. And uh, yeah, you think it's hot in the New York area in, in August, try and be in Asia. That's a whole other realm of sweating. Yeah, no, thank you. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the heat. So I'll Yeah, no, no. It's, uh, you, you sweat so much that after a while your sweat comes out without any sort of salt in it you, you have sweated out all the minerals you are now just sweating water it's it's a very uncomfortable and just mind-blowing it's like wait where's the salt I, i'm always nope nope that's all gone you're just standing in a puddle so i know a lot of people's or i think I feel like the typical goal when people get involved and start taking it seriously is to reach black belt you mm -hmm. know once you got your first black belt you know why why did you continue to go forward and you know, go for a third degree and eventually start working towards a fourth? Sure. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's just like anything else. I mean, are you, are you becoming involved in something to just learn the basics and then you move on? 
you know, do you want to you know, start skateboarding until you are able to, uh, you know, do a half pipe or, 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 or start doing uh, certain tricks and then that's it. And then you find the next uh, interest or do you stick with it? And, mm. you know, maybe it becomes a little bit more of a lifestyle. I mean, in, you know, to, to sort of flip the question on you, you've done a 24 hour race. Why do you continue? You've done a 12 hour <laughs> race. Why do you abuse yourself? Why do you travel all over? Why do you, why do you talk family members into joining you on this quest? That, that was my dad, to be fair. <laughs> yes. get, you get lonely in the pit, but it, it, it is more fun with both you there. I'll say that. Yeah. So it, it becomes a, you know, it becomes a bit of a lifestyle. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're involved in something and, and if you don't do it, then, then what are you going to do instead? I mean, uh, you have to find something uh, of of interest. Um, I mean, I had uh, I had a few friends uh, in in the community, so you know we we sort of you know worked with each other. We kept going, and uh, you know in in my early twenties, you know I'm, I got my first job out of college. You know I have some I have the free time. It's you know and I'm living at home. Do I really want to be home in the evenings? Nah, we'll we'll keep doing this. Gotcha. You know, and uh, I just, you know, continued moving up. In my case, the rank, uh, it was no longer about the rank. It was about the knowledge. So after a while, you, you don't care. So, you know, in, in, in my case, you know, you could not dangle the next, you know, the next level in front of me because I couldn't care less. You know, that's not why I was doing it. I mean, I was doing it for myself. No matter how hard you train, friends, with family, whatever, ultimately it comes down to your own personal performance. It's, it is not a, a team uh, event. In, in my case, again, you know, I, that's, that's what I prefer. I'm, I'm not necessarily a, you know, team sport kind of guy. I, I like being able to just test myself. Yeah. You know, I, I also did cycling for a while and it was the same thing, no matter how hard I train maybe with other people, ultimately when you're on the course, it is just you. Yeah. I mean, that's not much different than OCR, right? I mean, you're exactly, exactly. 99% of the people there are racing themselves against previous performances. They're not racing the field. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, You you only get uh, what, uh, Evan, uh, two minutes of me yelling at you and then you disappear for another, uh, you know, hour and a half. (laughs) That's right. Paris, you got this. Go, go, go. And then that's it. You know? Yeah. And then he's gone. (laughs) You know, you mentioned uh, the ranks and the belts, you know, is, karate standardized is there like a governing body or is it up to each you know school to develop their own system for you know what constitutes the next rank it it depends on on if there is a history to the school if there isn't uh some schools are are have an affiliation to a governing body whether it's in the uh u.s or uh over in uh over in asia Obviously, some of the you know the newer schools, you know, they may be um, a chain, but but typically, you know, there is usually the schools these days have some sort of affiliation to some sort of small governing body. Um, in in our case, uh, we had ties to Goju, uh, the Goju Kai uh, in Okinawa, which did uh, answer to a governing body which then answered to an all-encompassing um, karate governing body on Okinawa. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, 
all of the, the different styles tied together. Uh, while I was there, we also took part in uh, several exhibitions, which is sort of like going into the Superdome and your school um, goes out to the floor and does uh, katas or forms or some sort of applications or, you know, the, I hate to use the word performance, but, you know, they, they do something out on the floor and then, uh, you know, you, you have like maybe 15 minutes and then a different school will get out and present their school, their style. Um, to, to come from the U.S. where the martial arts is still sort of viewed questionably uh, and then you go to a place like uh, Japan where the martial arts are uh, not just recognized but also revered. I mean, most people have taken some sort of martial arts in just regular, you know, standard school, just as we would in, in school, you know, uh, during phys ed, play soccer or basketball, they have some sort of uh, martial arts training or kendo or, or some sort of uh, martial arts related uh, physical activity. So to go there and where you're uh, work is recognized and you don't have to be as, let's say, as secretive as in the U.S. Yeah, it's it's very humbling. Yeah, sounds pretty cool. You know, you kind of mentioned, you know, see practicing martial arts in secret. You know, with now with, you know, as of the, I guess it was probably mid-90s, the MMA started coming out, right? Started with like, well, yeah. the big the big one that everyone knows is UFC, right? So mixed martial mm-hmm. arts. Yeah. And I think some people see that and they now view the martial arts as antiquated. You know, what, Mm -hmm. I guess, what would be your your response to that as someone who's deep into that field? Okay. Uh, Mixed martial arts came out of the whole UFC when uh, historically, uh, if you go way, way, way back um, uh, to, to the nineties, when it started where they had, different styles getting into the ring those are the best so ones. Had, the first those two, are the best because the you first five really, ufc's yeah. yeah those those are great those are great because you actually get to see you know where one style you know is far superior or or much more uh, adapt whereas now mixed martial arts has become so specialized that it's for two guys getting in the ring and just going for pounding the crap out of each other yeah. Um, it it does not lend itself to adapting to your environment. Let's say a tight and closed place. They, if you if you look at it closely, they're not blocking so much as conditioning their bodies just to take the blows, as opposed to trying to defend yourself so much. They're just going, you know, back and forth, you know. But again, it, it's it's now become much more laser focused because most of these gentlemen and and, and women, sorry, gotta be fair they have multiple belts in multiple styles, or if they do train exclusively in, in a MMA style, it is a mix of some sort of striking, striking, some sort of grappling. Uh, Ultimately it ends up on the floor. Most real fights typically will end uh, within two minutes most fights happen in a, in a little bit more of a closed space. Um, you don't have that much room uh, to work around, obviously, uh, in, in comparison to, you know, being sort of in the octagon. Right. So, 
you know, I mean, it's the same like with, with uh, boxing, you know, two guys, typically a street fight, two guys do not get in, in, uh, in a bar and they just go, you know, shot for shot until one of them collapses. Yeah. There's a good answer. I'm going to share some of my military background <laughs> here. So, you know, the military does combative, so that's their like, form of martial arts, right? So, mm-hmm. which is heavily based on jujitsu. So we end up yes. doing, you know, a lot of, you know, rolling around on the ground and, you know, it, it, multiple goals there. One, to give you, give the soldiers confidence. And two, you know, if you can actually use it in a situation, if, if the situation requires it. But at one point, I actually went to a vendor training through uh, special forces. Mm-hmm. And we had, we had these instructors come in. And the cool thing they did, they did, which I, if anyone has read my book, I talk about it in the, the last chapter, is they, they basically would go to like live leak footage. So, you know, footage from CCTV, closed circuit television, mm-hmm. and they would watch real fights, like yeah. just like hundreds of hours of real fights. And the guys that went to the ground, as soon as they go to the ground, essentially the dude's buddy comes in and just beats the, just beats the hell out of him, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You, you know, so it was like, it really reframed my mindset because at the time I was like, oh, well, MMA, you know, you go to the ground and that's what everyone, that's where everyone ends up. But, you know, they keep showing us all these footage of like every time this dude goes to the ground, people just pile in on top of him and he just gets destroyed versus the guy who would essentially strike two or three times and uh, essentially constantly move. So the other, the other attackers were in each other's way. So they couldn't mm-hmm. essentially gang up on them. Uh, were the ones who did the best. And it was, uh, you know, th- these are completely untrained dudes. Just, you know, a lot of times they're, you know, some of them are drunk and some of them are, are just, you know, they mm-hmm. pissed off the wrong person at the, the local club. But it was pretty interesting to see. So. Yeah, when, when we used to, uh, in training, it was always, the, the mindset was that we were training for, uh, you know, a real fight, not a not a tournament type fight, not not a, a points match. And, and you know, I mean, I've, I've done regular, you know, tournaments in, in the U.S. You know, I've, I've got, you know, somewhere, <laughs> a couple of trophies. I don't even know where they are anymore. But, but it, to me, it wasn't very realistic. You know, the, the idea is you, if you get yourself involved, you, sh- you know, strike hard, strike fast, and you be the one that walks away. Yeah. And then for also for the military, you know, like I typically have a gun. So um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's usually, that usually evens things out. And my friends have guns all around me. Yeah. <laughs> so I always get a, I always get a kick when uh, you met, you mentioned that countries like Korea, you know, their martial arts is like, it's not just something that people do. It's like a way of life. It's part of their like nationality. Yeah. Yeah. And um you know, like mar- kind of like marathon running in, in some of the mm-hmm. countries in Africa. And, and you, and you adapt, you, yeah. you know, you, you start out in, in uh, one style. I know people who have switched then because they, they get too old or joints again. Maybe they'll switch over to Tai Chi, yeah. which is by definition, a, a martial arts uh, style. Uh, maybe they'll switch to Aido, which is the, the, the art of, of sword drawing. Uh, obviously that you're not uh, actually going up against uh, someone. Uh, that would be kendo. That's a separate martial art. Right. So. so anyway, so where I was going with that was, you know, occasionally someone will like share or tag mm-hmm. a video of like North Korean army, like, you know, just yeah. breaking blocks and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. All these like yep. great, I mean, very, very impressive martial arts moves. And it's like, cool. Um, you're never going to have a chance to do that because 
we're going to drop a guided bomb on you from 100 miles away. <laughs> and then if that doesn't work, we're going to shoot artillery. And then if that doesn't work, our tank's going to run you over. And then if that doesn't work, I'm going to send an infantry. And then if that doesn't work, right, like my buddy's going to shoot you. You know, it's like you're just never going to have a chance to use it, man. Like, well, in, in some cases, though, it's, it's also the confidence builder. It is, yeah. Or, or, yeah, you're, you're trying to get yourself psyched up. I mean, I've had three mugging attempts. And in each case, because I knew what I could do, then you have the balls to, to not hand over your wallet. Myself and two friends, uh, a guy tried to mug us out uh, by South Street Seaport in Manhattan. We got into an argument over who was going to hit him first. <laughs> now, mind you, you know, we're three black belts. We're fully trained. We, we have already, you know, dissected in our heads how this is being addressed. And that's the only way you can pull that off. You know, you're not trying to be a jackass, you know, but, it, it, you know, it, it definitely you're not playing the part of the scared uh, victim. But if he had, you know, uh, moved in, then, then we would have taken him apart. I mean, I, I've heard stories, though, of, of the other extreme where, you know, some poor schmuck mugs the wrong guy and ends up being put in the hospital. You know, which to me is a little on the extreme side. You know, you could have maybe just broken his arm and and be done with it. But some of these guys, it's just like they've got a new toy and they're just dying to try it out on somebody. Yeah, that's a great story. Let's talk about some more about your personal background, right? So Mm -hmm. we mentioned flail weapons in your bio. So define flail weapons for people. Flailing weapons are are typically the the weapons that have uh, either a disjointed uh, section like uh, the nunchakus or uh, the three-sectional staff or something a little bit more exotic than like bike and chain. Uh, Basically, the danger of the flailing weapons is uh, unlike, let's say, if you're using a bow staff or the sai or the tuifa, when you stop moving your hands, the weapon stops. If you're swinging a pair of nunchakus over your head and you stop your hand, guess what? The weapon still moves. And I can't tell you how many times of, of sheer, you know, sadistic laughter I get out of watching some guy stopping his hands and the thing just swings around and just clips him right in the middle of the head. And it's like, and that's why you have rubber chucks. That's why you get, because you have to learn that, it, you know, again, you stop moving, the weapon is still going to move. So you have to learn. Uh, it takes a little bit more focus and a little bit more patience because you have to learn how to, to you know, um, find the frequency at which the weapon is moving and how you should move. So when you decide to stop the action, you can't just stop it. You sort of have to swing down slowly, you know, sort of rev down or decelerate you can't just stop cold gotcha now you you kind of started answering one of my next questions now Mm -hmm. which was you know are the weapons essentially an just an extension of your arm and does that change the how you're training but it sounds like with the flail weapons at least it it definitely changed it a little bit because like you said it keeps moving but do do the principles change um uh, a little bit. I mean, you know, some some of the uh, the weapons are 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 specialized, so you have to also learn about the history of where this came from or why this came from. A lot of the more traditional Okinawan weapons 
uh, are non-bladed uh, because they were a uh, invaded nation. So the invading forces, the, the Japanese, the Chinese, would ban um, bladed weapon, you know, any sort of bladed weapon. Uh, so a lot of the traditional Okinawan weapons are your basic, you know, staff or the tuifa, or even something uh, uh, an iku, which is nothing more than like a big, uh, like a paddle, you know, for a rowboat. So you would take these weapons and and adapt. Also, when when you're uh, training in weapons. A lot of the time, uh, again, whereas with standard, uh, you know, an empty-handed style uh, with the weapon, again, what's the application of what I'm doing? I've got a spear. Am I going up against a person? Am I, is this more of a uh, anti-cavalry weapon where I am swinging out a, at a, uh, a horseman or I'm like some of the weapons are designed to uh, literally take a horse down, you know, by cutting off the front legs and then bringing the, uh, the rider down. Gotcha. Interesting. So why did you end up, did you choose flail weapons or that just kind of what happened you, you happened um, to fall into? Uh, our instructor, uh, typically um, for your first couple of ranks, first black belt, uh, you would, you'd have a sampling. You'd have your basic uh, bow staff, you know, six foot stick. You have the nunchakus, a flailing weapon. You then have uh, some sort of two-handed uh, weapon, either a tuifa which is, you know, also known as a tonfa. Uh, usually you see uh, the police have a modified version of that in some cases. Uh, or you have uh, the sai. Again, uh, two weapons, two hands. The sai sort of looks like a short uh, little pitchfork. Uh, and that's actually a, uh, a modified uh, farm uh, uh, tool. So you get a, a different feel. Do you like the staff weapons? Do you like, you know, two independent hands moving, working together? Do you like the flailing weapons? Uh, and then, you know, then you're allowed to choose your, your next uh, series of weapons. Uh, I wanted the three-sectional staff. Uh, that's the, you know, the, it's actually a Chinese weapon uh, that I was drawn to, but I know that my instructor had not taught it for uh, about 20 years or so. So basically the strategy I was, I went for the most ridiculous weapon that I knew that he would absolutely not teach me, uh, which is the commas, which are a, uh, um, they look, they're, they're a short uh, bladed uh, weapon, sort of looks like the letter J, you uh. know, a curved, a curved knife, because um, I knew he wouldn't teach it. I, I have personally have seen people using that and slice their arm. Oh, geez. Not realize it. And then suddenly you're being showered with this person's blood. Um, so <laughs> by asking for the most ridiculous weapon, I knew that when I went back and said, well, okay, how about we do this instead that I would uh, be assured to, to get the weapon of my choice. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a little sneaky. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, it, is, it is a very difficult weapon. It's about nine feet long. It's in three sections. So this thing is swinging all over the place. And rather than start me immediately, uh, my sensei simply handed me the weapon and said, okay, I'll be back in six months. And he let me figure out the, the motion of the weapon myself. And you know, I, I developed my own little drills for, for how to spin it and do a figure eight and you know, whip it around my head and 
how to, you know, uh, move uh, with it. At the end of six months, you know, he came up uh, to where I was and said, okay, let me see what you got. I showed him what I had been doing and he's like, okay, now I can teach you, you know, now I can teach you a form. Now I can, you know, explain the weapon. But again, it's, it's, that's, that's a different sort of dedication than, than training in the martial arts saying, yeah, I'm going to do this until I get my black belt and then I'm going to find something else to do. Right. And that sounds like, it sounds like you picked the most complicated weapon. I mean, it's just like, I'm yeah, visually uh... trying to figure out how I'm supposed to move that in my head. And it's just, all I can picture is me slamming myself in the groin or the back of the head or. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's uh yeah. And, and that's why very few people choose it. it. It's, it's not a big flashy weapon uh, in the same sense as let's say, you know, the spear or, or some of the bow weapons, you know, it, it needs a lot of room. I have done it in, to- in tournament once. And, uh, in most cases, uh, most people had never even, they knew what it was, but had never actually seen it used. Uh, so that was uh, one of my few first places, uh, first place trophies in, uh, in traditional weapons. All right, we're going to start jumping over into the obstacle course racing uh, portion of mm-hmm. the podcast. As we mentioned in the beginning, you worked as my pit crew for two toughest mutters, so the 12-hour ones. Team Paris, woohoo! Yeah, one world's <laughs> toughest mutter. So just kind of, you know, as an outsider coming into that world, uh, just share with me some of your opinions on, you know, ultra distance obstacle course racing and Tough Mudder. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's, for, first of all, it's, it's not like anything you've, you've seen before. Uh, you know, you come in and it's just, you know, hundreds, thousands of people because uh, as, as you racers know, as you're coming in, there, are, there have been other races there. So you're coming in and there are dirty people coming out. So there's this constant rotation of, of people. Yeah. Then you've, then you've got your little village where all the vendors are and, and all that craziness. You're, you're trying to set up. Everyone's trying to, uh, you know, it's a mix of, you know, they're trying to set up. They're trying to get themselves psyched. They're trying to prepare themselves. Uh, you know, your dad and I are, are trying to arrange the, you know, arrange all the, the clothes, the tent, all of your, gels and pills and juices and waters and <laughs> give them a lot of credit for, for, for you guys coming up with, with your system. That seems to work very well now. Yeah. Um, it's, it is impressive. Um, the amount of people that come into it. Uh, some people are coming in just to attempt it. They, they, you know, as you said, they're going up against their, their personal best, you know, and, and that's what they're shooting for. Uh, there is a huge, at the end of the race, there is always a huge gap between, uh, you know, the, the pro racers and, and the amateurs, you know, most of them have dropped out. I think by the time you come in, uh, you know, we're one of very few tents, uh, still in that area. You know, a lot of the people have already packed up, gone home, showered, changed, you know, and, uh, and resting comfortably. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a mix. It's a mix of of you know the the people and not necessarily you know professionals, but the people who are dedicated to it. There are those who are just you know doing it to say that they that they did it. Uh, but everyone comes out and gives it their all. You know they're they're all there in the beginning uh, to support each other. Uh, but ultimately, it does just come down to you, your efforts, and just putting one foot in front of the other. 
not worrying about uh, the next mile, you know, how many more miles you just, let's just keep going. Just keep moving forward. Yeah. You know, we talked about it a little bit already, but you know, what lessons can you take from martial arts and your background in karate that mm-hmm. could be applied over to the world of obstacle course racing? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a dedication. Absolutely. You're, you're not going to jump into it and, and have it mastered in a short amount of time. Uh, it is, it is the constant, you know, uh, literally and figuratively, you know, trudging forward. There is, uh, uh, my friends and I always used to say you have to, you know, you have to be like a shark. A shark is always moving forward. That's all you can do. Keep moving forward. Again, as you're, you know, you may be training with people, you may be working with people, but ultimately it is you that is out there, uh, representing you and that's it. You know, you, you can't rely on anyone else. This is not a, a team sport, you know, where someone is going to pick up the slack or someone is going to help push you along. You know, it, it is ultimately just you out there. Yeah. No, no one cares what you're doing at three in the morning. You know, like there's no one, no one's out there yeah. being like, you can do, you know, you're like, you're three, it's three in the morning. You're by yourself in the middle of, you, you know, don't even Georgia. know where you are. You don't even yeah. know where you are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where they find these locations, Evan. <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. They're, uh, yeah. And, and mind you, I only see the pit. I don't see the whole course. That's right. You know, I have no idea what, what, what some of these obstacles look like, how much space they take up. It, it's, yeah. it's amazing to me. You, know, you, you mentioned, uh, we talked a little bit about mastery. How long did it take you to go from entering into karate to get, getting your black belt, your first degree? And then how long between your first degree and... Sure. Uh, my first degree um, from, from white belt to my first, uh, first degree black belt uh, was about... Um, it was about uh, six and a half years. Um, my instructor held me back on a couple of the ranks. Uh, he felt that at certain times he... He wasn't seeing the full effort, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which is sort of like a, a double-edged sword. Like, man, that sucked. As opposed to, yeah, I got my, I got my black belt in five years. Like, maybe because that's as good as you can get. Because you suck, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> it works both ways. Yeah. Um, and then it was. Um, then I think it was another uh, another seven years to my second degree. Of course, you know, black belt ranks, there are no other colors or stripes or anything like that. So it is a, uh, a long process is made even longer by not having any sort of breakup. You're not going from, you know, uh, white to green to yellow to orange to, you know, to brown. To, it's black belt to black belt. Yeah. Uh, and if you're into the lifestyle, you know, then you don't necessarily mind. It's just like it's just a rank. That's just it. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, you're also working on other things because, you know, you've made that conscious decision. If you've been enough that you're going to stay with it. So you start exploring other things that don't necessarily affect your rank. So at the same time I was working on, uh, I was doing some work with Hanbu Jitsu, um, which is self-defense with a short staff. Uh, usually something between 24 to 36 inches as opposed to a full-size staff, which is six feet. Worked on um, some jujitsu and judo. You know, got to learn the difference between the, the two arts, the 
Uh, Jiu-jitsu is, is a much more of a combat art style, whereas judo is, is more of a sport style. They have, for the most part, removed uh, the striking techniques, where judo is much more uh, grappling than uh, jiu-jitsu. But again, I mean, you're, you're not, you know, you're not just in it to, uh, you know, to get a rank at that point. You are trying to, right. you know, gather as much knowledge as possible. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I mean, I was in no rush to, to move on. Yeah. Shall we say. I mean, there are no groupies a, to impress. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, we, well, funny you say that. We, we joke about that in the military that the only, so, you know, in special forces, you get like a special pattern uniform, right? You get a long tab, yeah. it's called, yeah. and uh, nickname for it. And we joke about it because it only, it typically only impresses other dudes. It doesn't actually yeah. impress the ladies. So we're like, yeah, no, there, there are no groupies in martial arts. <laughs> If you've been in the martial arts for, for a long time, people are like, man, there's something weird with that guy. So <laughs> most of us, you know, we didn't mention it. You know, it's, it's fine. It's okay. You know, they're, they're, you, know you, you go to tournaments again. There's, there's, there's no, uh, uh, there are no fans or anything like that. And really, really, once you get deep, especially in like the special operations world, it becomes very nuanced. And I imagine similar with like mm-hmm. martial arts where it's like, you know, I can oh, list yeah. my I can list my qualifications, and it means nothing to anyone unless you're mm-hmm. in that world and you understand what it physically means. Yeah, I mean, you know, because it it, it does it does take time uh, to to master even something as basic uh, as as some blocks. Um, I mean, I remember uh, uh, Gojiru is a is a circular style as opposed to a linear style. So you're not just let's say for a um, um, a middle block, you're not just coming straight across and, and hitting the guy, you know, in the forearm, you're doing a, a more of a circular style where you're coming out, you're meeting the arm, then you're circling back in. So you're using less energy, but it takes a lot longer to learn that circular motion. But I remember, um, it, you know, when, uh, as a green belt, so I'd already been doing it for, let's say about two years when I figured out how to do a, a high block, correctly and it was just like oh my god look at this yeah i call my friends over like oh my god you got it you know it's and meanwhile you know the lower ranks are like i don't see a difference what are you talking about but the higher ranks know what to look for interesting you know yeah you mentioned the the amount of time and dedication it takes to move through those ranks i think especially in like modern society today sometimes we lose that where everything's now right like i get my amazon prime the next day i get you know and i, I meet people who come into the sport and they're like well you know, how do I do what you're doing or how do I do, you know, it's like, well, it takes time to train to do some of these obstacles. Like mm-hmm. unless you have a strong physical background in something else, you know, you may not be able to do uh, conquer the gauntlets like Pegatron, their pegboard obstacle or their stairway to heaven obstacle. Like yeah, and I, and I you think, may have to work on know, just pull-ups for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, and most of the people in OCR have had, have some sort of background and they started in something else. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I believe your journey, you know, was not OCR from the get-go. No. Yeah, you had looked at, you know, marathon running. You were doing a little this, a little that. It, you know, you're trying to find what I, works. I, for I know, you. I know your your favorite bodybuilding. <laughs> John went to one of my bodybuilding shows in uh, was it Pennsylvania, and I know yeah. you guys were having a, a great time at, at it. I think you were having a better time than I was. So. <laughs> yeah yeah my uh my my wife was very excited to go to that <laughs> she was sure that the, the two of us would get you know beaten up later in the, in the restrooms for for making comments but 
but uh you know you know my favorite part of that whole thing that guy and his girlfriend you, you share it go for it okay so um <laughs> bo- bodybuilding uh first of all um you know you're there you're up there and and don't get me wrong these guys look impressive they have worked very hard they definitely deserve the attention but the fact that you were you're up on stage and people are shouting up to you it is almost the most narcissistic event I have ever been to where people are like, you got this number 12, you go, you're looking so good. I mean, people are showering you with, with compliments, yeah. uh, which is great. Cause if, if you're, you know, sarcastic like I am and, and your cousin's up, up, up on stage wearing very little uh, material and he's been painted, uh, you know, you just have to take advantage of it and yell up. But uh, there was a gentleman there whose um, girlfriend was also competing. I believe she was in the fit category, which I, I don't know. That means they get to wear high heels and they don't have to work as hard. I don't know. I'm still confused. It's, it's yeah, nuanced. I know, you, I know, you, I know nuanced. You, you tried to explain it to me one time. I'm like, ah, okay, this isn't worth it. But she's on stage and she's doing her thing and the boyfriend is in the audience and he's screaming up there, number two, you're number one in my heart. <laughs> And like everyone just stops and looks. It's like, wow, this is a whole other level. Yeah, we are embarrassed for you, number two. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's 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 a bizarre world. It is very, very bizarre. I mean the yeah. the posing trunks and then like the painting, right? Like when you get painted, you're you can't have you can't have lines on you, so right? So you're like someone paints you who's not your family or you know, your yeah. wife or anything like completely naked. Right. So like the day before the show, you show up and they got like, an airbrush you know? yeah, they got an airbrush <laughs> and you're like, you're like, cool. Uh, and they're like, yep. Stripped down. And you know, sometimes it was a guy painting you. Sometimes it was a girl, you know, and they're like, you know, turn around, spread them. And you're like, yeah, of course. And uh, yeah, it's a very bizarre world. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, you know, just that the, the, you could get a, a, a body cast of yourself. So when you're old, Oh, that was weird. That's yeah, that, over. That, you, I've you only seen. Look a, <laughs> I, that's the only event I've seen that at. That was really weird. Yeah, really? Was, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that wasn't normal. And the, yeah, the, that, that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I understand, you know, taking selfies and maybe having a portrait done, or you know, blow, you know, having an eight by ten of yourself, but to have a full body cast <laughs> that you would hang up over your mantle, so that when you're what in your seventies. You can look back at it fondly. I mean, it's just a. I, it's weird. I don't know. I, I, I wish I I'd priced it out. I was curious, or I <laughs> or I should have done what what our aunt Florence would do. Just go up and like, oh, I want to have it done. Our um, our aunt Florence likes to go to plastic surgeons for for free uh, cons, uh, consultations, just to screw with them. Special woman. Back kind of back on top. We we strayed wildly off topic there. So one of my friends that was in the military. You know, whenever he'd listen to sports teams talk and they talk about, you know, going to play a game or a really important game, they'd always be like, man, we're going to war. You know, it's, it's going to be a war out there. And my friend used to always get offended. He's like, you're not going to war. It's just a football game. Please stop talking like that. Yeah. And as someone yeah. in Iraq, he would get offended by it at the time. I, I, it never bothered me. I just thought it was, I was like, eh, whatever. Um, so within obstacle course racing, short course racing, like really, really short, is referred, you know, it's from the TV show American Ninja Warrior. So we just call it Ninja. Mm-hmm. 
You know, and yeah. nin- ninjutsu is an actual martial arts style. So do yep. people in the martial arts look at nin like I mean air quotes ninjas, so like American Ninja Warrior? Um, is there like a are you like does it does that bother people? Are they just like eh, whatever? I mean, you know, nin- ninjutsu first of all is is one of the few martial arts that combines both unarmed and armed combat. Uh, my weapons training is separate from my martial from from my karate training. They're they're not interconnected. Ninjutsu is is like I said, one of the few that combines both. W- without knowing, you know, the, the history of ninjutsu, it's it's sort of it, you know you're just using a term that you know very little about. You know what their role was in in feudal Japan. You know the these were sort of like you know guerrilla warfare soldiers. That you know they operated in in small groups. Yeah, you know, they they used stealth. Uh, you know, on their side, you know, very different from your standard, uh, you know, warrior in the field. So again, let's say as as uh, a guerrilla warfare specialist as opposed to uh, infantryman, you know, of, of World War Two. Um, but you know, you see the movies. You know, some some of my friends take it. You know, take offense to it. Me, it's just like, eh. It's the uneducated. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's like any of the, you know, it's like any of the movies. Yeah. You know, they, they, you know, some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. You know, some you laugh at. Yeah, it's kind of when people use the term "special forces" that aren't special forces. I, I'm just, I just kind of roll my eyes and move along. It doesn't. So yeah. s- similar. And since we're talking about it, let's talk mm-hmm. about some movies. Right, so ah, movies. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna name a bunch of martial arts movies. They're probably all gonna be from the '90s, and um, you tell mm-hmm. me if any of these are good movies. Okay. Okay. So we'll start off with the big right. one, right? Karate Kid. What's your opinion uh, on Karate Kid? Karate, yeah, Karate Kid. Um, you know, I mean, it it has some valid points. It does show you the, uh, you know, uh, the motions. So you know, historically, some parts of it are correct. Uh, so you know, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, you know, the, the you know the whole concept of it. Um, yeah, no, that was that was that was good. Karate Kid okay. was good. Okay. Um, the original, yeah. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, entertainment value? Oh, high entertainment value. Uh, <laughs> actually, I just watched it like two weeks ago again. Did, did you have you watched the second one, Annihilation, recently? Not recently. It no. is so so bad. It is. So I mean, bad. it was it was bad before, so I can only oh, imagine what it's like now. It did not get better with time. It, it, it okay, was, it's just terrible. The acting's bad. The story's yeah. bad. It's there's nothing okay. redeeming about that movie. Yeah. Okay. But they actually they they I don't know if you follow video games at all, but like Mortal Kombat nine, ten, and eleven, they mm-hmm. have like they're almost a full movie. Um, wow. They turned it into like this. It, like random dudes on the screen punching each other in the face. They turned it into this like deep backstory. It's its own like, universe. <laughs> it's actually pretty interesting. The actual video game movies, but um, yeah. Yeah. Besides the point. All right. Uh, another good nineties, nineties one that I remember. I don't know if you'll remember this one sidekicks with um, Chuck Norris and I can't remember the actor's name, Jonathan something, the blonde kid. Do you yeah. Know that one? Um, I've, I've never seen it. I do remember it. Um, I, you know, I, I'm a, I, I do enjoy, you know, uh, Chuck Norris. <laughs> you know, he has, he has not strayed too far. His background is in Tang Soo Do. 
if I recall, um, it's a Korean style. Um, you know, he has not deviated too much from 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 uh, the beginning, whereas some martial arts slash actors start out doing one thing and then you know they sort of you know change it to to you know broaden the appeal shall we say you know the the movie appeal but i mean i i prefer more of the more of his you know action movies you know the octagon or you know some of the the earlier ones than that gotcha okay let's go with uh you know enter the dragon the bruce lee classic uh enter the dragon of course um uh the the old 60s 70s martial art movies you know most of them coming out of of uh asia hong kong you know were were all about um a couple of different themes uh you're seeking vengeance uh on behalf of your your sensei your sefu your instructor your um you're seeking vengeance uh against someone who wronged your family drugs and the dragon got all those themes together in one movie yeah which was amazing <laughs> yeah it's I, I i still enjoy it 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 hasn't aged uh poorly no it's still pretty good it's still pretty good because they don't rely on a lot of 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 uh you know special effects or anything like that i mean you know bruce lee um i i don't know how he's viewed today but the man really was all that he he had a ridiculous amount of control and speed um yeah, so I know sometimes some people think he was a little egotistical, but he really was that good. He really was. So since we're on Bruce Lee, Game of Death, the the one where he's in the yellow jumpsuit. Ah, uh, yes. Um, that Kill Bill. Uh, story. Yes, you borrowed yeah. the no, idea that, from that one. That one I liked. That that one I liked. Although, was that the one that? No, he didn't die in that one. It was the other one he died in. But they, I think they made a. Was it Game of Death Two using like old footage and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it it does not it does not work well. Yeah. I remember I remember watching it on a deployment and I was yeah. just like, this is painful to watch. But it's more. it's fun because he's as he's going up through the uh, through the pagoda, you know, he's he's facing off against different stylists, which was something that hadn't really been seen before. Yeah, you know, unless you're watching these crazy you know movies out of Hong Kong where. Uh, you have two kung fu masters. One's uh, mastered crane. The other one is is mastered snake, and they're going at it. And then you even question: Is are th- is this even legit? <laughs> yeah, I also like that one because it reminds me of the old Nintendo game Kung Fu, where you oh, have to, okay. you go up the pagoda levels. Yeah, and at the end of like each one, you, you like you mm-hmm. face off a different master there. So, mm-hmm. yep, I like that one. I think you're probably too old for this one, but th- three ninjas. You know that one. Three ninjas? Was that like a bunch of kids or something? It's a bunch of kids doing karate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think you're you're probably too old for that. That, that was my my. I was a kid when that came out. See, so like I, all yeah. all the ones that that I you know all the ones that I like are are probably you know you're too young for. That's probably so, true. That's probably yeah. True. Like most of the Brandon Lee movies. Yeah, I mean uh, he that, had a couple out. Uh, Jeff Speckman. I don't even know who, who that is. Um, he was. Um, he was a, a Kempo uh, stylist. Uh, what was his big movie? Perfect Weapon. Yeah, um, that was a good one. Yeah, see, my, you know, <laughs> different different point of reference. Yes. What else yeah. you got? What, what other movies? <laughs> uh, th- those are the big ones. I, and then you yeah. know, let's see what others. You know, Jackie Chan obviously has a whole bunch, and um, 
None of them particularly yeah. stand J- Jackie Chan, I, 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 I love to watch, uh, not just for the fighting. Uh, if you ever get the opportunity, I highly recommend reading his autobiography. Or is it a biography? Well, either way, it's authorized. But I'm, I'm you know, his background, yeah, his background is, is you know, uh, being a student in the Chinese opera. So it's not just martial arts fighting, but it's acrobatics and, and all of that. And it turns out that there are several other uh, martial artists, uh, a gentleman by the name of Samo, who also trained with Jackie Chan at the time. Uh, who, you know, he had a, a TV series for a while. He's done a couple of movies also. Uh, but Jackie Chan is just wonderful to watch what, you know, real dedication um, can get you in, in terms of the way he moves, uh, the way that even even as a choreographed fight, the, the amount of focus that you need in order to not hurt someone. And then, you know, as if any of you have seen a Jackie Chan movie, the end of it is always filled with the bloopers where people are getting hurt and yeah. broken and busted and bloodied up and, the reason why the man has no insurance. I saw a, th- a really good thing on was, uh, YouTube or Facebook a while ago where like all of his stuntmen came together and gave him like a, I think it was like a lifetime achievement award or something. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was pretty cool to see. Uh, what yeah, about, he, mm-hmm. do you know, uh, Tony Ja, the, uh, I think he's like a Muay Thai guy. He had a movie called, uh, Ong Beck. Do you know that one? That was like a <laughs> early two thousands movie. Was he the one that also did the the protector? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Same dude. Same dude. Yeah. But the the Ungbeck one is. I mean the the fighting in it is insane. We used to watch yeah. it on deployment all the time and just. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just, Even you know you you can say what you want about you know uh, choreographed fighting. Again though the 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 skill that it takes uh, to pull it off successfully. I know that when we used to do demos, you know, you do same, same idea, choreographed fighting uh, and the amount of focus and, and power, you know, and you want to look good. So you're coming, you know, full force at your friend, hoping that he's going to be able to stick an arm in the way and block it. Otherwise you're coming in, you know, at, yeah. at you know, full strength. All right. Yeah, I think- I've, I've seen his. Yeah. I think that, uh, that about wraps up uh, any other recommended ones that you you would recommend that you personally like? Um, like I said, the, uh, um, I think there's, um, geez, I'm trying to remember their, their, the, the Brandon Lee film. I think it's no surrender. Uh, Jeff, the Jeff Speckman is, is perfect warrior. Uh, that one's good. The earlier Jet Lee films, any of those really are, are good. Uh, Typically, you get a better quality, I think, of martial art movies if you watch the stuff from coming out of Asia, not the Hollywood version, because Hollywood has to insure people, and Hong Kong doesn't necessarily believe in insurance. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, last one. Did you, when I was growing up, there was a show called WMAC Masters. Did you, did you ever see that? WMAC so it was the martial arts version of professional wrestling is the best way I can describe it. Wow. So like these, how did know, I these, miss that? <laughs> it was so good. I mean, it was as good. I thought it was as a child, I thought yeah. it was good. Um, yeah. But you know, these guys who are trained, you know, very highly trained martial artists, they, they have personas and they go, yeah. you know, and there's backstage stuff and they go and they, they fight for, fight for I'm using air quotes, they fight yeah. for real yeah. in the, um, yeah. the chamber and there's like a championship belt and stuff. 
Wait, wasn't that wasn't that hosted by um, Shannon Lee? By Br- Shannon Lee, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> now it, I remember it. Oh, now I remember why I don't remember. <laughs> she was she she was not uh, her acting ability is not very good. Side note. No, no, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty sad that that's uh, where where she's ended up. <laughs> I I remember loving that show as a kid because the. So when they did the first Mortal Kombat video game, they actually used motion cap, like live live people to do those moves. Yeah. And mm-hmm. some of the people from the video game are actually on the show as martial artists, you know, and they had like an Olympic gold medalist <laughs> in Taekwondo mm-hmm. was on there. And uh, yeah. so I remember, and then some of the people from like the actual uh, Mortal Kombat live action movie are in the show. Obviously they're not the same characters, but it's the yeah, same well. actor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All yeah, right. No, I, I do remember that. Yep. <laughs> cool all right uh i think that about wraps things up uh before we go john any final shout outs you want to give or people you want to say hi to uh no just uh just uh basically uh the the family you know <coughs> as always your dad you know <coughs> terry has been um you know uh, a huge part of my life um uh our family you know my my uncle uh Ter- um yeah, my Uncle Terry, uh, Evan's dad, he was sort of a uh, half a generation between uh, my father and myself. And then uh, between myself and Evan is, is a half a generation also. Yeah. So we have this odd spacing out, you know, all growing up. But uh, your dad, uh, great guy, great guy. I've always enjoyed spending time with him. Even at, you know, two in the morning, freezing our asses off. <laughs> like, looking for a cup of soup and, and a place to make s'mores. <laughs> Yeah, good good time. Sorry, I missed that. I was crawling through mud. Uh, yeah, trying like, not to black out. Yeah. Where were you? Oh yeah, now I remember. <laughs> yeah. Ripping your hand on, on a on a on a fence while you're in a uh, water filled uh, dumpster. Yes. Yeah, I was bleeding a lot from that. I was a <coughs> little was, worried. I was worried they were gonna scary. pull me out yeah. for a second. Yeah, that one was scary when you came running in for that. Yeah, so that was world's toughest motor this year. I came in, it was right mm-hmm. before the pit, and it was just blood <laughs> pouring down the inside of my palm. I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, soaking wet and yeah, yeah. Good times. <laughs> All right, John, thanks again for coming on. I enjoyed this a uh, ton, uh, not only yep. for the OCR and uh, martial arts content, but just mm-hmm. as, uh, as your cousin and mm-hmm. spending some time uh, BSing. So yep. thanks again for coming on. For those who are listening, if they want to um, – Know more about my background. You pick up my biography, Ultra OCR Man. It's on audio, digital, and hard copy now. It's a great read. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. You go. That's fine. And then on top of that, if you're listening to the intro and outro music, which, John, you can't hear because it'll be edited in later, that's Mm -hmm. actually the priest of my church um, singing the intro and outro music, which is hard rock. And, uh, you know, as you know, as from Greek Orthodox churches, that is not anything like the music you'd hear at church. So uh, you can enjoy that. You can look him up on YouTube, Dino Sinos. He's on YouTube under. And then I also started helping out with my church, uh, their sermons and uh, some of the content the priest is putting out, producing it in a podcast form. So if you, if you want to subscribe to that, it's, uh, you can find it on major podcast streaming platforms. It's under Annunciation Greek Orthodox Church of Kansas City. So you can find that and subscribe and listen. All right. Uh, John, thanks again for coming on. Good talking to you. My pleasure. Thanks. Looking forward to quarantine ending and coming back to New York (laughs) and seeing you. Getting back out. Yep. Yep. Looking forward to it.
right, we'll catch you later. Bye. Bye.